10 Minute Talks, a podcast in which the world's leading professors explain the latest thinking in the humanities and social sciences in just 10 minutes. Hello, I'm Nancy Edwards, Professor of Archaeology at Bangor University and a Fellow of the British Academy, the UK's voice for the arts and social sciences. Today, I want to talk about aspects of identity in early medieval Wales. I'm completing a book on life in early medieval Wales. How did people live and how did their lives change between the end of the Roman period around the turn of the 5th century AD and the coming of the Normans to Wales some 600 years later? The Evidence for this is not always easy to identify. Written sources are fairly scarce and the archaeological evidence is sometimes difficult to find. Nevertheless, the archaeological evidence is now growing with the help of developer funding archaeology and increased use of scientific dating methods. We can begin to see not just how the elite lived, but also Um, farming communities and the houses that they lived in and the economy of animals and um, crops that they grew. We can also begin to compare early medieval Wales with other parts of Europe at this time. For example, we can see the effects of climate deterioration um, after the end of the Roman period and the likely effect of disease and a decline in population in the 5th and 6th centuries. We can also see the growth in the strength of Christianity at this time. Later on, we can see the increasing strength of um, the Anglo-Saxons in the borderlands of Wales with the construction of Offa's Dyke at the end of the 8th century and in the West from the 9th century onwards, the impact of the Vikings. Today, I want to concentrate on aspects of identity and how these were manipulated and how the past was used to create these identities. Some of my earlier research focused on the inscribed stones and stone sculpture of early medieval Wales. And these monuments are particularly um, revealing in what they say about aspects of identity. I want to start with two monuments, um, large standing stones dated to around the end of the 5th or beginning of the 6th centuries AD from southwest Wales, an area where there was Irish settlement around the end of the Roman period. And in this area of Wales, we can see that three different languages were being spoken. Irish, um, British, which later became Welsh, and Latin, which was inherited from the Roman past. And we can see multiculturalism, for example, on the stone from St. Dogmiles, which is written in two different alphabets, 
the Ogham alphabet, which is um, uh, for writing primitive Old Irish, and the Latin alphabet, which is um, gives the same inscription in Latin. And what we can see here is that the stone commemorates, it was probably the gravestone, of um, Sagragni, um, or Sagranus, son of Cunatamus, and the inscription is bilingual. And Sagranus was in fact an Irish name and Cunatamus a British name, indicating this mixture of identities. More interesting and more complex, perhaps, is the stone from Penbryn. And this, um, as you can see, is only written in Latin, but it has an added dimension. It commemorates Corbelengus, it says Corbelengus, here he lies, and Ordovician. Now, the name Corbelengus is an Irish name indicating his Irish identity. But um, the, it's followed by Yakit, the formula Hic Yakit, indicating that he was a Christian. This is a formula that came in from um, early medieval Europe in the latter part of the 5th century. And perhaps most interesting is the word Ordoos. He was an Ordovician, because this indicates the manipulation of the past because um, the Ordovices were a pre-Roman grouping of people in Wales, in central Wales and towards the north in the pre-Roman period. And what appears to be happening here is that this identity is being reworked and uh, um, resurrected in the post-Roman period as part of a British identity. And um, we can see the effect of this also in the um, position of the inscribed stone, because it's located on top of a cairn, um, which has a Roman cremation in, in it, dating to the first century AD. So this, um, again, indicates the reuse of an earlier um, earlier Roman and possibly a prehistoric past. My second example, we're moving on in time here to the first part of the ninth century. And this is the Pillar of Eliseg. In fact, the Pillar of Eliseg is, uh, a, a, was originally a cross. And it's located, um, as you can see here, in northeast Wales. It's in a, a strategic position on the uh, a valley that links the River Dee with the Vale of Clwyd, which you can see beyond the mountains in the north there. And this monument demonstrates the significance of the regional identity of Powys, the kingdom of Powys, at the beginning of the ninth century. And um, the cross, um, as you can see, stands on top of a cairn. Now this cairn, um, I and colleagues excavated part of this cairn and what was found was a series of 
early Bronze Age um, cremations, dating back around 4,000 years. And the cross was placed on top of this cairn with um, purposefully um, in order to demonstrate the link with the past, because we know from early medieval poetry that in this period, um, the these prehistoric cairns and uh, uh, barrows were associated with heroic figures. So this is the first important link with the past. On this monument, there was originally an inscription, a long Latin inscription. And this uh, is no longer legible, but was recorded in 1696 by the Welsh antiquary Edward Lloyd. And the inscription can tell us a number of different things about the identity of Powys, uh, the kingdom of Powys and its rulers, and how this identity was being um, manipulated in the first half of the ninth century. Firstly, the monument was erected by Conquen, the last early medieval ruler of Powys, who died in 854, and it's in memory of his great-grandfather, Eliseg. It records Eliseg's military successes against the English in the late 8th century, in the time of Offa. Then it asks for prayers for Eliseg's soul. It's a document written in legal language, and it's also a piece of royal propaganda concerned with the identity of the early medieval kingdom of Powys. And it traces the origins of that kingdom back to the Roman period, to the late Roman um, usurper Magnus Maximus, who died in 388 after um, uh, ki having killed the, em the rightful emperor Gratian. And it also um, makes a link with the post-Roman um, shadowy leader uh, Vortigern. Then the uh, inscription asks for a blessing on Konken and Powys, probably until the Day of Judgment, and that the language of the, of the inscription suggests that it should be read out loud. And the um, general sense of the inscription, together with the placing of the monument, suggests that this was the royal inauguration site of the rulers of Powys. So what they're doing here is um, manipulating identity and recreating it in a time of stress. So in a time today, we are very much concerned with multiculturalism and also looking back at how we have our histories and reassessing them as a result of the more recent past. What I've tried to show here is how identities in the past in early medieval worlds were also equally complex and interlocking. Thanks for listening to this British Academy podcast. Please subscribe, share and rate this series from wherever you get your podcasts. For more events and conversations, 
please visit www.thebritishacademy.ac.uk or find and follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.